they're expecting to go back to an AFC championship. Like, they're finishing where they left off. Right now, I'm not panicking. And with Derrick Henry coming in, who's on pace to have 1,600 yards this year, limit his carries to, you know, two to three-yard gains at a time, not your four- or five-yard gains. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 61 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Cy Amundsen, joined in the virtual studio by Chris Corso, Jay Nelson, and Gabe Henderson from Vikings.com. We're going to take a little bit of a look back at week two here. We're going to take a, a look forward at week three, and we're going to get into a little bit of what's going on around the rest of the league here. Uh, guys, I... It's Thursday. The great thing about doing this podcast and it coming out on Thursday is Thursday's a look ahead day. You know, as much as as I think a lot of us fans and 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 those of us involved with the team and the team themselves, I, I think there was obviously a lot of frustration following the Sunday loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we are in the fortunate position. This is what this business is about. You hit Wednesday and Thursday, you turn the calendar and you start looking forward. Let's talk a little bit about the Indianapolis game here, and let's jump, let's jump right ahead. The main thing I'm stuck on here, Chris, is how similar it seemed, just to the naked eye. I mean, you're talking time of possession. Again, it was 38-25 for Indy, 21-35 for Minnesota. You know, total net yards, 354 Indy, 175 for Minnesota. Amount of plays ran. I mean, Indy got – they ran the ball 40 times, Minnesota only 18. It, it was, it felt very similar to what we saw in Green Bay. And, and the head coach himself uh, really boiled it down to uh, position battle on the field. Absolutely. I think the big thing that Mike Zimmer is focusing on, the, the similarities between the two games, is that second quarter. Because, Cy, the Vikings in the second quarter have a minus 31-point differential this season, which is just – I mean, the entire tempo and pace of the game, of both games, has been set in this second quarter. And then it's just too far for the Vikings to come back. And the time that the defense has spent on the field is the other similarity. Like you said, it's just constant between both games. It's like the defense has to continually get stops, and it becomes too late for the offense because of that big-time second quarter. Yeah, and I, I think it's also both these games have been such snowball games where they kind of took a path and kept rolling that way. It, it makes you feel like when it's all said and done, you're like, well, where, what do I go after? What do I pick? What's, what's my biggest concern? And I think when games like this take place, it's hard to even, it's hard to even land on a singular thing because it's, you know, obviously – in this league, you are what you are on a week-to-week -week basis. And that last week's result is who we are until this week, Gabe. But when, when they follow a path like this that is so one-sided, it's hard to almost definitively say exactly where your focus should be from, from a fan standpoint and from our standpoint. You, you make a good point because the Vikings – haven't really found their identity so because they've been playing from behind most of the time other than the first drive of the game um, like Corso said having a minus 31 uh, point differential in the second quarter and then not even scoring a, a 
point in the third quarter of the entire season. I, I think that's a that's a start there, starting strong in the second half. Uh, the first half, I feel like we 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 have a good start. We've scored on the first drive of the game in both games of the season this year. But that first drive in the second half, I feel like that's when things really start turning after that second quarter when Kirk Cousins has thrown an interception to give you know the opposing team uh, points to go ahead at the end of the first half. So it, it yeah, and it might. I think you're exactly right. I think you make a great point because when you when you saw it now, you would have liked to have seen a seven, not a three, at the end of the first drive in the Colts game. But at the beginning of both games, they were very surgical. They pulled the other team apart. They got what they wanted. And we all know those are scripted plays. We all know they've been practicing them all week. We all know they come in ready to – but there are teams all over this league who script their first 15 plays and go three and out two times in a row. So the talent is there. The execution is there. The abilities are there. Jay, what's the difference here between what we're seeing on an execution level on that first drive to what we're seeing throughout the rest of the game? The honest answer is, I don't know. <laughs> it's because <laughs> the honest answer is, I don't know. And I think that's the thing that's hard for the for the guys to determine, too, is because it seems like they've got what they need on the front end and they're able to march down the field and do what they need to do. And then, you know, whether it's adjustments that are being made or things that they're not necessarily reacting to, it, it feels like all of a sudden it turns into an issue where they are not able to to essentially execute the game plan that they've had set and whether that comes down to pressure up the middle or, you know, guys not getting open or, you know, Kirk not having the time that he needs. It's, it's the head scratcher for everybody, which is why you hear, you know, guys like Zimmer and, and even, you know, the players and those guys saying we need to just stop making mistakes and we need to start executing our plan. And I think that is what is most frustrating, not only for the fans, but also for potentially the coaches and the players, is that they have what they think is a set game plan, and it's just not executing on game day when they need it the worst. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of where I, I tend to oscillate on this show between being overly concerned and negative and overly confident and positive. I don't find a nice middle ground. I'm just a maniac on both ends. And with this stuff, maybe this is an insane take, but I, I look at it and I go, I, I'm just not ready to buy in to this being the reality that like to me this seems so absurd and so unusual given who I know the coaches are and given who I know the talent is you know I had I had fans in my in my inbox all throughout the game on Sunday and I just kept saying I was like I don't I I don't see a situation where we struggle to respond with drives of our own all season long, I don't see a situation where we keep getting safeties. It's almost like these two games happened in such insanely similar, unique avalanche types. I'm just not ready to buy into that. The struggles we've seen are the sort of struggles that we're going to see forever. I think there's something that's just not clicking, something that's just not clicking. You talk about not being overly confident, but not being overly negative. Is it too soon to panic, though? You know, it, we are owing to, and yeah, you know, the we haven't done anything great. But at the same time, at what point do you end? There are no preseason games. We're all dealing with COVID here, and you got a young defense. Like, we, yeah. has the young defense had a had a have they had a legit time to figure things out yet? Like, do you want to make your mistakes early on, or do you want to go in the season making the mistakes in week ten and week eleven? Like, at what point do you say, hey, it's still early, but 
Let's get this right. Yeah, and, you know, this kind of contradicts something that I thought all offseason. I thought there was a lot of cohesion. I think there's a lot of returning pieces. But, you know, you look at a Michael Pierce opt-out. You look at a lot of youth, and you come out and you face two really good football teams. I mean, you know, I think there was this narrative walking into this Indianapolis game because Phillip Rivers wasn't immaculate week one that this might not be, you know, a top-level opponent. And – uh, you know, I, I just don't think that. I think Indianapolis is going to be a really good football team all year. They have an incredible offensive line. They have a very good defense. DeForest Buckner is a monster. They were a good defense before he got there, and he is a monster. So, you know, there may you, you might have a great point, Gabe. It, it's one approach is you can look at it as like everybody was in the same situation with COVID, but it's not unusual to see something unusual given how unusual the who, what am i who's that singer it's not unusual I'm tom jones i'm losing my mind corso take it away i think the i mean it's the the same thing 18 minutes of time of possession in the first game which was like unheard of and then we go for 21 minutes in this game which is so similar i mean the two games combined the defense was on the was on for almost 80 minutes i mean that's like incredible to add up that amount of time of course you're going to have some injuries and and players go down like anthony Barr. i mean they're they're definitely being overworked and and there's no sort of cohesion for the entire football team so i think when mike zimmer really pins it on the second quarter you saw you said before there needs to be something to focus on let's focus on getting going in the second quarter let's get the offense staying on the field converting first downs you heard Justin Jefferson talk to the media today and and what he spoke about was he wants to have a bigger impact on this offense because it's going to take a lot away from Adam Thielen and it's going to really make the offense more multiple because right now it's either Adam Thielen or Dalvin Cook and not much else is going on and for him to have 70 yards in his first two games he's not satisfied with that yeah and I I think the truth is the the real answer here is let's Let's see what the response – you know, you get out there on on this Sunday against another very, very, very good football team, although one that you have an opportunity against because they do allow yards on the ground and we have a man named Delvin Cook. But once we break that, once we get out and we respond to uh, a negative play, we respond to another team's really good drive. Once you said Corso – once we put together an 11-play drive in a second quarter and put points on the board, I mean, you look at both these football games, and I'm not trying to be the eternal optimist here, but both of these games, you get an amazing goal line stop against the Packers, and you get an interception by Eric Wilson against the Colts. If those two possessions, you know, boom, safety, that sends it the other way real quick. If you march down and put a seven or even a three on the board in those situations. We all know what momentum and strat like there's so many things that shape a football game. And through two weeks, the early moments have just completely not broken our way at all. Yeah. And I think that's part of the concern is that not only are you not able to make situations that are helping you, but the basics are the things that you also seem to be struggling with. So I think that is part of the problem that, that, everyone is having is saying, what are we, what are we doing here? You know, we have to get the basics to functions, let alone just 
some sort of a help. You know, we're, we're making interceptions. We're getting uh, strip sacks. We're trying to create our own help here. And even with that, we're still having situations and we're struggling where we're going three and out at certain certain times. And, and I think it just gets disheartening, especially if you're on the offense, you want to advance the ball. If you're on the defense, you're like, you know, guys, let's get some momentum going here and let's make this work. And I think just with the two of them, neither side are getting what they want at this point. And I think it's got to be very frustrating across the board. And let me give you a little bit of a bright spot from the game because there, there honestly weren't many, but I, I think it was nice to see uh, Yannick Ngakwe's, I, I believe his snap count went up about 50%. I think he was on the field about uh, 50% more than he was the week prior. I thought he was present in the run game. He obviously had the strip sack and uh, it, it was nice to see him settle into the defense a little bit something like that can really send you the right direction yeah and and it really he is the guy that they they need a pass rusher they need him to step in and play no daniel hunter now you lose anthony barr i was talking to somebody today on the phone and just saying man this vikings defense looks a lot different than it did last year i mean it's unbelievable there's no everson griffin there's no linval joseph there, you lose all the Xavier Rhodes and the Trey Wayne. So uh, now Anthony Barr goes down with an injury. These young players and, and new players have to step up. And Unique Ngakwe was one of the bright spots. I mean, he had a big-time play. We said he has a knack for the football, and that's exactly what he did. So um, hopefully he can uh, give us one more big week before we get to Neil Hunter back. Well, let's let's look forward to the Titans here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to button – the Colts with one piece of information here. You know, there's a Zimmer quote. It's it's rare air for the Mike Zimmer era here. That's the Vikings' first 0-2 start since 2013. You know, he he said, he was quoted as saying, we can't start winning until we stop losing. And right now we're doing things to beat ourselves with the turnovers and sacks and safeties and penalties on third down, uh, our third downs on defense. You know, I... I, Chris, I think you and I maybe even talked about this on the phone. It's not like we've never seen this team struggle in the Mike Zimmer era. It's just we haven't seen them struggle for long. We all remember the Bills game. We all remember the Rams game. We can recall moments where things seem to be heading the wrong direction, but Zimmer and this staff – have never let it slide that far. Now, I don't know what this season is going to look like and what this team is going to look like as we progress through the whole thing. But right now, even off the two weeks, I, I'm still going to walk around with that air of confidence that despite the defensive changes, despite the youth, despite the struggles and these mistakes that he's talking about here, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there's going to be a correction just given what I've seen historically. Yeah, the world was ending last year when we go into Chicago and score six points against the Bears, two and two. Uh, the, the, the whole apology thing happens, and, and it's like the season's over for the Vikings. What happened? We won six of the next seven, and not to be positive uh, Chris over here, but... Kirk Cousins was... The positive Chrissy! Positive Chris says that, and I heard this from Chris Thomason, our good friend at the Pioneer Press, that Kirk Cousins won the October <laughs> Offensive Player of the Month, and we won six out of the next seven, and the whole season changed. So, Dude, I know we're he, all negative Nancys today, but I'm trying hey, to... Speak for yourself. First of all, Gabe has been plenty positive. Second of all... 
don't use terms like negative Nancy. You're not my dad's dad. Third of all, you're exactly right, man. Here's here, now, now I'm here's where somebody's going to send me a horrible tweet because I'm about to reference the New England Patriots. I have watched the New England Patriots as a football fan for a decade, and I have watched them look nothing in the now they've started strong this year, but I've watched them for years look nothing in the first four weeks like they looked at the end of the season. Do I think that this team is Super Bowl bound? I'm not going to say that because I don't want everybody to shout at me on the internet. But what I am going to say is I've seen the Vikings go 6-0 and and not make the playoffs, and I've seen them start 2-2 two and two and make a hell of a run deep. Let's see what this next week brings. Let's see what happens when Daniil gets back. Let's see what happens when we have a game that breaks a little bit more down the middle. Let's see what happens when we have a game that doesn't include a safety and in these things that Zimmer is talking about here. Because there's no way in hell that a Mike Zimmer coached football team is going to turn the ball over and make mistakes like this on a consistent basis. I've watched him. He's too good of a coach. He's too good at what he does. That's not where this team is going to be throughout the season. So let's see what happens when a game breaks correctly. And let's hope that this game, this next game, the Tennessee Titans is the start of that. That's what we hope, right? Tennessee comes in 2-0 for the first time since, I believe, 2008. So they're on a roll right now. They're expecting to go back to an AFC championship. Like, they're finishing where they left off. And the Vikings right now, of course, we're not the best that we've been. 0-2, I'm, I'm going to be positive because it is just 0-2, and, and you still have 14 games. I'm that guy. Oh, we got 14 games. I'm that guy. So I'll be that guy we right now. We the Redskins last year. Exactly, and then we started <laughs> off 0-5. So I hope that's not the case here. But I, I really have faith in, in, in this team and what Zimmer will do, can do. Um, I, I just think it's just the youth. The youth is just getting up to speed. Jeff Gladney saw more reps. We saw what he did in the second half. He played m- with more confidence. When you get Cam Dantzler back – when that happens, he already has a game of experience under his belt. Yeah, granted, you know, the the lights are bright, but there are no fans in the stands. There's so many different variables that are taking place on a young for a young team that's looking to find its identity. So I, I'm right now I'm not panicking. And with Derrick Henry coming in, who's on pace, like I said, to have sixteen hundred yards this year, you can't allow that to happen. I'm not gonna say you can't allow him to get to have a big game, but you, you have to limit his carries and limit his carries to, you know, two to three yard gains at a time, not your four or five yard gains and not having Anthony Barr, yeah, Anthony Barr this week, other guys are going to have to step up. I mean, Eric Wilson, he said he's ready for the challenge. Now it's next, next man up. We, we knew this was going to happen, whether it was COVID or an injury. So that was, that's been the mindset this entire year. So it was like, okay, well, we know we have a two and O team coming in. Let's not let them take what we're trying to accomplish. Well, Let's let's get deep into the Titans here. Yeah, the Vikings are nine and four all time against the Titans, seven and one at home. The last time the Vikings, not at home, as Gabe was referencing, but the last time we saw this Titans team was the 2016 season opener. Vikings get a 25 to 16 win, I believe, and it was a game that featured two defensive touchdowns there, Chrissy Corso. Daniil Hunter, a baby Daniil Hunter, and a baby Eric Kendricks. They get a fumble six and a pick six. Uh, but that was a 
very different Tennessee Titans team. It was, I believe, a rookie Derrick Henry. It was a Marcus Mariota-led uh, led offense. That's not who's walking in the building. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, league, the reigning league monster champion. Is there – that picture of him standing next to Mark Ingram is the funniest picture. It looks like Yao Ming next to a baby. Derrick Henry is so – and. As someone who – Viking fans, I think, can appreciate this. Obviously, we want to beat the Titans this week. But watching Derrick Henry feels like watching Adrian Peterson when he was in his prime. The, the idea that someone can be so large and so strong and yet so fast is incredible. So I, I'm really looking forward to the challenge. And I said this last week, if my run defense is struggling – I want to see Derrick Henry. I'm, that's the sort of competitor I am. I want to write the ship. I don't want to write the ship against, like, James Dennison out of Ball State, fifth string uh, running back that's going to be, uh, you know, bagging groceries in a couple weeks. If the team is struggling against the run, I want to see the dude who's the best at the run. Like you said, Gabe, we got young guys here, trial by fire, experience by fire. Yeah, I agree, Sai, and it's going to be pretty similar to last week. I mean, this Tennessee Titans team has a really good offensive line, so that is very similar to the Colts' offensive line. Jack Conklin is as good as it gets when it comes to pass blocking and even run blocking, so uh, it's not going to be an easy task to tackle down Derrick Henry, and we certainly have a, a task ahead of us trying to get through this Colts' offensive line. Just looking at the things that Ryan Tannehill's doing this year, too, I mean, he threw for 239 yards and four passing touchdowns in the win against Jacksonville. I mean, he's having a, a crazy year after signing that huge contract. Sometimes you see a little letdown from a, from a player like that. It certainly has not been that way the first two weeks for the Titans. The reigning uh, NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Ryan Tannehill. I think he rides into this game. He's got a nine-game streak with multiple touchdowns. And uh, you're right, Chris. And we all know how well, uh, how much easier a quarterback can have it when they have one of the best running backs to ever step on a football field behind them. Uh, we watched that for years, and 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 we're seeing how much of an effect Delvin can have now. Uh, Tannehill, Tannehill has seen the Vikings twice. He saw them both times with the Dolphins, and it was two very, very, very different situations. One was pre-Zimmer, and one was with Zimmer. Uh, the pre-Zimmer one. Uh, 39 of 47, I think, for 396 yards and four touchdowns. One of the best days of his entire career in 2014, I think. And then in 2018, I believe, uh, he saw Mike Zimmer's defense and he went some, I'm going to butcher it here, but it was like 11 for 20 for 108 yards or something very funny. The key stat there was they sacked him nine times. They got to Ryan Tannehill nine times in that game. So he hasn't exactly had a ton of success against uh, Mike Zimmer, uh, but he is playing incredibly well, Jay. That's the thing. That was, you know, when he was struggling, he was at Miami, right? So now we're at Tennessee. We've got a good offensive line. We've got a great running back with him, and he's got some weapons with Jonu Smith and, and Davis here for wide receiver, I think. With Tannehill, I think if you give him time, he showed you even last year there were a lot of doubters and a lot of naysayers. 
that he can make you pay. And you even saw it again here in week two where they had to put up some serious points against Jacksonville, and he was able to do that, getting his four passing touchdowns on just 24 attempts. So, I mean, Tannehill is somebody that you cannot underestimate him. And and if you can do like Jacksonville did and stuff Derrick Henry for only 84 rushing yards, Tannehill can make you pay. It, it just gets back to what we've been talking about for the last two weeks. You have got to get home on this guy in order to make him uncomfortable so that you can have a game like you did with him against Miami versus what he's been doing for the last basically year and a half uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Well, every, everybody knows that we're going to have to try to stop Derrick Henry. But I, the thing that I'm really interested in here is Jarrell Casey, who was a monster of a run-stuffing defensive tackle, uh, departed in the offseason. He's now, I believe, with the Denver Broncos. And dude was very, very good. And they've been susceptible. I, they had, a, uh, you know, an, I believe an undrafted rookie last week gash him for over 100 yards. There is the opportunity here in the middle of the field, in the middle of that defense to put yards on this team and to do the thing that we're talking about, put together successful, sustainable drives that represent this team's identity. And I think that starts with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the NFL. We talk about Derrick Henry, what he does, but on our team we have a guy that, you know, I will put him in the top five in almost any category for a running back and. I think the Vikings see that. They they see that, you know, hey, there there was an undrafted rookie that rushed for over 100 yards last week. Hey, we got a guy that's better than him with, a, you know, arguably a better O-line that can get the, the ground game rolling. So uh, th- that has to be a point of emphasis. Um, Justin Jefferson talked about, you know, a lot of safeties are starting to cloud cover Adam Thielen, you know, double teaming him. So it's just opening up more opportunities for guys like Justin Jefferson, B.C. Johnson, and I think ultimately the run game is, is what's going to set that up. You, you establish a run game early and then hit him over the top. Sands, Adam Thielen. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't just the running game for the Jaguars. I mean, they put up 480 total yards, something to that effect last week. I believe almost 480 on the dot. And Minshew, you know, and this is the second week in a row we've gotten to follow the Jacksonville Jaguars into an opponent. But, you know, there should be opportunities, especially if you get that running game going early, to get the passing game going as well. And, you know, the Titans run a 3-4 defense, Corso. So the matchup of this O-line versus that defense and, and you know, on the edge of it, Jadavion Clowney is, is probably the key matchup, you know, as, as you try to get Dalvin moving in some space here. Yeah, and I think you expect the Vikings to give a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook at the beginning of the game. Like Zimmer keeps saying, we need to do well what we do well. And that is, when you when you hear Zimmer say that, he's saying, we need to pound the rock, run the football, get the, the running game going, and then you'll see Kirk Cousins throw the ball down the field. I mean, 339 yards and three touchdowns for Gardner Minshew. Hey, first Cousins- of all, don't I, don't you, do not you... <laughs> Chris, <laughs> take it easy guy. on Gardner Minshew. Take okay. it easy. The man has done nothing but throw darts. <laughs> I'll take it easy on him a little bit, but, I mean, we're back at home. I know the fans aren't there, but we are comfortable at home. I want to see this offense get going. I, I don't think 
I don't really think there's much of an excuse here. They've this this defense has given up a lot of points in two straight weeks to subpar teams and and if this it's going to be on the offense. It really is. A lot of people are saying the Vikings defense this, the Vikings defense that. I said earlier in the show, it starts with the offense. It starts with staying on. I just want to see them stay on the field. Like get Irv Smith involved on a cross route across the field. We we we've been expecting big things for him. He hasn't even got a chance to get involved in this Vikings offense. So get Dan Chisina uh, involved. Yeah, get get my get my Penn State sprinter involved. I want to see him run a route, a straight deep route down the field. Why not, Gabe? The last piece here as we look forward is the injury piece. Obviously, uh, Anthony Barr, it's going to be a huge loss for the team, out for the rest of the year with a pectoral tear. Uh, Eric Wilson is a guy who I think a lot of people have a lot of hope for. You know, he's a guy who in his opportunity last year showed up really strongly and it's going to be difficult. Anthony is, is a piece that makes this defense go around, but next guy up, fortunately, Wilson and the younger guys below him it's a place we do have some depth, but those guys are, Jay already mentioned this. Those guys are going to have their work cut out for them because Jonu Smith is, I, I hate it when people use the word underrated constantly because there's a lot of underrated dudes in this league, but the guy can play all over the field. He is a really, really, really difficult matchup at the tight end spot. And if if I'm the Titans right now, I'm watching the film of what the Colts did with Mo Cox to this Vikings secondary. And if I'm the Vikings defensive coordinator from Andre Patterson, I'm telling my guys, hey, they have an underrated tight end in Jonu Smith who's going to look to do the same thing. So it's up to you guys to man up to the task, step up to the task, and, and go from there. Um, speaking of Eric Wilson, I had an opportunity to talk to him this offseason. And, you know, I basically asked him about the opportunity. You know, he was – Got the franchise tender, sound the franchise tender this offseason. But what what are you going to do with that? And he said he's ready for it this offseason. Like I mean, he he put in the extra work. He 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 was ready for this moment. So now is the time is now. I mean, now we get to see why we wanted to keep him. Why he was a guy that you know this front office was really high on. And another matchup with another great tight end. And I'm 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 really looking forward to it. And they, you know, I just saw the, you know, we we obviously have the. Um, the injury report for them as well. You know, Janu is on it with an ankle issue. AJ Brown is is also on it. It'll be interesting to see how their team comes together. But I think you have to walk into that game expecting them to have a fair host of their weapons and and be prepared for them to come at you in pretty much every way they're capable of. For me, the thing about Janu Smith is like you you had referenced there, Gabe. I, I agree with you. The you know Mo last week did what he did against us. We've had a couple times in the past where, you know, Waller last season hit us for double digit receptions. I think you look at a guy like Jonu Smith, he's that big body guy who can run the crossing routes and isn't afraid to, to, you know, take a shot at the same point. He can also get vertical and, and getting vertical with those long arms. It's kind of a, kind of a Kyle Rudolph look there. And so for, I think for our guys, it, it just means in the past we've had issues with, you know, crossing and switching and you've got some of the younger guys that are trying to step up and, and and do this. I think for Tennessee, it's, yeah, you're going to want to pound the rock with Derrick Henry, but I think it's going to be trying to confuse not only our linebackers that haven't had as much experience, but also the younger guys too. So I just think guys like Janu, there's going to be a lot of crossing routes. And then once you think you're going crossing route or rushing, 
they're going to run him up the seam and try to catch him sleeping. And I think that is something that defensively they're going to have to uh, mind their P's and Q's this week. Vikings game plan returns for a 14th season hosted by me, Paul Allen, your voice of the Minnesota Vikings. We feature weekly player interviews, game film breakdowns with former linebacker, current analyst Pete Bursich, plus more. Watch weekly on KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Details at Vikings.com slash game plan. All right, let's look at what's going on around the rest of the league here. Before we do, uh, heads up, Viking fans. It's game day any day when you play the Vikings' new scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. The league is as interesting as we thought it would be, boys. Uh, Let's start in our own division. I, I'm probably, if this keeps up, I'm probably going to have to write Mitch Trubisky a personal apology letter. I ran a smear campaign on this and any other podcast that would allow me on it for the past two years. I couldn't understand why he would possibly have been starting over Nick Foles. And all he's done through two weeks is come out and play good winning football. Multiple touchdowns in both games, you know, We'll see what happens when they get an opponent that's maybe a little higher level. But as of right now, the Mitch Trubisky experience is looking like a smart one in its however many try this is, whatever whatever rendition or version of the Trubisky, the Trubisky ride this is. Yeah, you say he's playing pretty good football. That's literally all that they need him to do and that they've wanted him to do. And he hasn't done it in his first couple years of his career. And, and, and when he's done it, that's when that team just goes to the next level because we all know how good that, that defense is. So if he continues this up, it is, it's not good news for the Vikings because obviously <laughs> starting out 0-2 and having the Packers and the Bears at 2-0 and is, is not something that you want to see two weeks into the season. But um, the Lions are, are, are being the Lions at 0-2 as well. So this division – Our next three games against the two against the Bears and the one against the Packers are so big. I think almost we need to go 3-0 and in those games. I really do. The Packers, and this is just – this is what's driving my fanness off a ledge right now. They look really, really good. They look – they look – all this talk about controversy, all this talk about unhappiness, it's all being shown to be pure nonsense because LaFleur and Rodgers seem in sync. The running game is perfectly complementing their passing game. They look like a juggernaut. Again, looking like a juggernaut in the second week of September doesn't mean anything come December, but right now they look like they're the cream of the crop in the NFC. I agree. I mean, there's there's no team proven right now that can say, hey, we're better than the Packers in the NFC North. I'm not too big on this Bears team just yet. They did start off 3-1 and one last year, and then they went on that three- or four-game losing streak. So I'm, I'm not really sold on Mitchell Trubisky. Um, 
so it, like I said, it's it's so early on. Like it's like talk to me in like two or three weeks, and then I can give you a, a better assessment. But but right now, like you said, the like Packers said, are. What if, what if what if he has a few good weeks, and in a few weeks we literally bring Gabe on this show for two minutes and go, Gabe, follow up question to your Mitch Trubisky thought. And if he is still winning, I'll be like, hey, just holler at me in like two or three more weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the Packers are the cream of the crop, like you said. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're certainly – you got to mention Seattle there. You, Despite a first-week loss and now a ton of injuries, weren't it not for the injuries, you have to talk about um, San Francisco. But it's they're certainly in the mix, and, uh, you know, it's hard to argue – any team heavily above them. One of the things for me is this is exactly what we've been talking about for the previous six weeks, which is if you have teams that have continuity, you have teams that have superstars and, and, you know, whether it's offense or defense cohesion, and they're able to try and, you know, escape, whether it's the COVID bug or the injury bug, they're going to have a leg up, especially early in the season. So what does that mean after week eight, after week 10, after week 14, it's it's going to potentially flip a little bit, but the thing that's been uh, you know noticeable with Mitch is that they've also had to come back in those games, and so the fact that they've been able to endure and and you know take the punch in the mouth and then by the end of the game still come out on top that's the thing that I think has been eye opening for people when they've been watching those Bears games. So you know kudos to those guys for for doing it. I think right now, like we were just saying. The Packers are a little bit more understandable. The Bears are a little bit more wait and see. And um, we'll see how this thing plays out for the rest of the season. Imagine the the, the San Francisco 49ers, the, the reigning NFC champion being, I know it's only two weeks, but being the worst team in their division. Every other team is 2-0. and Every other team, the, the, the Rams look like they have refound what they lost last year. Kyler Murray, weren't it not for Patrick Mahomes existing and the Seattle Seahawks finally letting Russ be Russ and take control of that offense, we would probably be sitting here talking about Kyler Murray as an MVP candidate. That division is going to be so fun to watch all year. Yeah, I agree. And Kyler Murray, we we were talking about quarterbacks of of the generation when it comes to Andrew Luck and and big time talents. He's about, I mean, if you're starting a, a team right now, he's probably the the one guy I'm going with. I mean, other than Patrick Mahomes, it's pretty hard to and and Lamar Jackson, obviously. But the, those three guys are are the future of this league, and I can't. The the Cardinals are two and zero. Like that is, and their their offense looks amazing. Getting DeAndre Hopkins, I think that that combo is going to be a really fun one to watch for years to come. Yeah, that that NFC West, every team has won a game so far. Three teams are two and zero, and then the Forty ers are one and one. Like that that just speaks volumes, right there. The NFC South, uh, it was a flip-flop of last week. Week one, Drew Brees looked great. The Saints looked great. The Bucks looked concerning and old. Week two, Brady, Brady hadn't refound some, uh, you know, some amazing performance, but the Bucks looked very good, and the Saints looked ancient in Las Vegas. An interesting flip-flop, and I have no idea what these two weeks mean for those two teams. The only thing I know is – I'm not ready to count the Falcons out. There's, I mean, that Dallas Cowboys, first of all, let's take a moment and address the fact that that Greg Zerline kick, the the young, young Hoku copycat kick, I don't know 
you could probably give a person 150,000 tries, and I don't know that they could roll a ball like that perfectly. It was amazing. And it just shows how interesting the NFL is. As we're sitting here, you know, uh, wallowing and frustrated and then maybe a little bit ridiculously hopeful and then a little ridiculously negative, had the Falcons held on to win that game the way it had gone all day Sunday, people would be trashing the Cowboys. They would be trashing Dak. They would be trashing Mike McCarthy. They would be getting roasted on a national level. They get an onside kick. They pull off a crazy win. All of a sudden, Dak's a superhero. Their season is saved, and everybody's talking about how Atlanta still can't get right from their Super Bowl loss. So I, I'm, I, I think the I, I, Atlanta was a team I had circled on our because I think Atlanta is a very, very, very good football team, and I don't think this 0-2 represents them at all. And given how slow those two quarterbacks had started, you know, for who they are and who who what we expect from them, I'm not ready to say that they're going to run away from an 0-2 Atlanta Falcons team. Yeah, Atlanta's a, a they've always had the offense and Matt Ryan has the weapons. I mean, they have so many good wide receivers. I mean, a Calvin Ridley as a wide receiver too is about as good as it gets in the league and we all know about Julio Jones and and this guy Gage who has been a huge part of their offense. So, uh definitely an offense to watch. Their defense a little shaky, obviously a big time blown lead from Dan Quinn and I've I've seen a little bit of uh, Atlanta Falcons Twitter they're not so happy with their head coach but uh, they, they're definitely a team to watch there's there's a lot of good teams in, in the NFC this year I mean I, look at the LA Rams they're they're 2-0 with a bunch of injuries but they're still playing well and Aaron Stay Donald on point Corso I asked you about the Atlanta Falcons don't you wander the other side of that coin Gabe let's talk about your former squad who's in the division with the Cowboys, the Washington football team. They're one and one. Their front seven looks legit. And that division is struggling. Is that division in your mind as wide open as it appears? That that division is wide open every year because Dallas and Philly will, will win eight or nine games and it'll always come down to one game. Washington, I, I thought they looked good so far in the first two games. against the. I mean, you got Kyle Murray. You're playing against a guy like Kyle Murray who's just – we were just talking about him. He's he's one of those guys that you don't see every day, but they've got five former first-round picks on that defensive line, and having eight sacks in that first game, that 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 division is up for grabs right now. I mean, I feel like that division will not be decided until at least week 14, and that's pretty much how it is every year. So Dallas is going to be Dallas. New York, you well, they just lost Saquon Barkley, so they got they got a they got they got a lot to to you know figure out there and then Philly Carson Wentz isn't looking like the Carson Wentz that we saw um a a couple of years ago so the person coming out the team coming out coming out of that division will most likely have no more than nine wins 
Download the official mobile app of the Minnesota Vikings today for either your Apple or Android device. Watch game highlights, press conferences, and exclusive Vikings Entertainment Network content. Stay up to date on the latest team news and much more. Customize your app experience via push notifications so you never miss out on breaking news or fan promotions. Search for Minnesota Vikings in the app or Google Play stores. For information, it's vikings.com slash app. All right, guys, let's uh, let's slowly close this thing down here. I'm, the big thing I'm going to take away, I've got the entire standing sitting in front of me right here. And the thing that I'm going to tell you, and this goes back to what we're saying right now, all the numbers on the boards are twos and ones. Twos, ones, and zeros. We've only played two games. It might have been a tough two games. It might be a, a tough to head the other direction. But nobody's 8-0. Well, we're all, you know, it's been two games. And you can very easily turn this thing around, put a couple in the W column, and feel like you're right in the middle of this thing here. Uh, before I get you guys' final thoughts, let me let the audience here know that there's some great stuff you can check out here. Vikings.com, obviously, for all your latest Vikings news. Tune in to Skull Stories this Thursday night with Mark Rosen and color analyst Pete Bursich. This week's guest is former Purple People Eater, pro football Hall of Famer, and retired Minnesota Supreme Court Justice, Justice Allen Page. Uh, Justice Page talks about the great things his Page Scholars program is doing in the local community. Uh, he gets nostalgic about the friendships he developed with the rest of his former Viking teammates. Uh, check it out, 6.30 p.m. on KFAN, or download it on your favorite podcast app, or give it a listen right in your Vikings app. Uh, check out our newest show, Vikings Vantage, this Friday at 6.30 p.m. on KFAN 100.3. A couple of the guys who you've heard throughout this episode, Mr. Gabe Henderson and Mr. Chris Corso, walk you through a whole bunch of stuff. And if you're looking for live game day coverage this Sunday and for every Vikings home game at U.S. Bank Stadium, tune in at 11 a.m. for the Vikings pregame all access. This exclusive live pregame stream provides behind-the-scenes content and will keep you up to date with the latest Vikings game day news. Vikings pregame all access airs at 11 a.m. on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, Vikings Connected TV, and all of our social media platforms. Boys, as we walk into week three and try to, as Jay put it, right the ship, what's the one thing you have at the top of your list? What's the thing you're looking for the most, Mr. Corso? My number one thing is the offense staying on the field. Having a long drive. I want one drive that is... Seven minutes or longer. Is that too much to ask, Cy? Like a seven-minute drive would make me very happy, and I think it would dictate the entire pace of the game if it could happen in the first half. Uh, a, everything you ask is too much. B, yes. I, I think having I think having a big, a non-first drive, big drive. If if the Vikings go out and they they have their scripted first drive, they get a stop, or even if they give up a score, that second third possession, maybe even fourth possession, I think, again, are really going to tell the story of this game. Um, in the words of Mike Zimmer, let's stop losing so we can start winning. That's all I have to say. That's very, very simple and poignant. Jay? 
Mine is the beast up front. You got to stop Derrick Henry. That defensive line is, has, you know, shown that the last couple of weeks they've been hit with some decent runs. And I think when you have a guy like Derrick Henry, and like you said, kind of an Adrian Peterson clone, we all know what he used to do in the past when there would be a defensive line that was struggling for me. It all starts with Derrick Henry. If you can stop him, then that lets you be able to focus downfield with your secondary against Ryan Tannehill. And hopefully that'll be a recipe for success for this team. Mike drop, please. For Jay Nelson, Gabe Henderson, Chris Corso, we will see you guys on the show next week.